The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 16, of Good Works, Paragraphs 1 and 2. Good works are only such as God has commanded in his holy word, and not such as, without the warrant thereof, are devised by men out of blind zeal or upon any pretense of good intention. Paragraph 2. These good works, done in obedience to God's commandments, are the fruits and evidences of a true and lively faith, and by them believers manifest their thankfulness, strengthen their assurance, edify their brethren, adorn the profession of the gospel, stop the mouths of the adversaries, and glorify God, whose workmanship they are, created in Christ Jesus thereunto, that having their fruit on the holiness they may have the end, eternal life. Over the past few chapters of the Westminster Confession, we have been considering the how of our salvation. Chapter 10 speaks of how we are called, 11 of our justification, 12 of our adoption, 13 of our sanctification, 14 of our faith, and 15 of our repentance. Now there are some who quibble about the order that the divines have put these in, but we won't do that today. Instead, as we move into chapter 16 of the Confession, we begin to look at what follows our salvation. We are saved for a purpose, and a wonderful outline of that purpose comes in Ephesians 2 and verse 10. Paul writes, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so here is the Christian life. We have been gloriously saved, called, justified, adopted, sanctified, men and women of faith who have repented before a holy God. And we have been saved for good works. It is this subject that chapter 16 concerns itself with. And the chapter begins in paragraph 1 with a statement that good works are only such as God has commanded in his holy word. Immediately you might consider that this seems a very simplistic statement for the divines to make. Of course this is true. Good works from the word of God, we're all on board with that. But it is actually a paragraph that is full of wisdom. The opening statement reminds us of the supremacy of God's word. It is, as Paul says in Romans 12 and verse 2, we are not to be conformed to this world, but instead to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
So we are to be transformed. Our minds are to be renewed. And this work will be carried out as we attend to the ordinary means of grace and as the Holy Spirit does his work of sanctification in our lives. And so we have been saved to do good works. And the good works are exactly what God has revealed to us in his word. It is as we read in Micah 6 and verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. The Apostle prays in Hebrews 13 and verse 21 that we would be equipped with everything good, that we may do God's will. And so the Christian life is one of obedience. The Christian life is one where we read the word of God daily. The Christian life is one of renewal and transformation as the Spirit works in us. And the Christian life is one of good works. Good works which are defined and set for us and commanded in the word of God. So far, so good. We're all on board with this, I am absolutely sure. But as paragraph 1 concludes, we see the reason for the Westminster Divine's warning in this passage. We are to do good works as God has commanded, and not those that do not have any warrant in the word of God. Not those good works devised by men out of blind zeal or upon any pretense of good intention. Or in other words, say the Westminster Divines, we are not to invent that which we think is good. We are not to spend our time doing things which we have assumed in our ignorance and arrogance that they will please God. We are not to invent anything outside the word of God that we might believe out of our zeal or good intention to be something that will honour and please the Lord. The Lord has no regard for these things. And the great danger is that we put an unbiblical burden upon our own shoulders and indeed on the shoulders of our brothers and sisters around us. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1 and verse 18 that we have been ransomed from the futile ways inherited from our forefathers. And so as this is true, we are not to invent any more futile ways and place them on our own shoulders or on the shoulders of the church. Paul spoke of his own countrymen, the Israelites, the Jews, in Romans 10 and verse 2. And he says, I bear witness about them that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Sometimes our zeal for God can blind us and we can do things and say things and build structures that are not specifically commanded by God's word. And indeed, sometimes our zealousness for the things of God can lead us doing things which we assume please God, But it's exactly the opposite. The Lord warned us in John 16 and verse 2, They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And so the Westminster Divines in their wisdom warn us in the very opening paragraph of chapter 16 that we are to do the things that only God commands. And we are to protect ourselves from the unbiblical demands of our own fallen condition or indeed of those around us. Well-meaning believers throughout the ages have placed demands upon one another that do not find any support biblically. We must beware of such practices. We must be careful to be men and women of the word, crying out sola scriptura and seeking out the good works that God has commanded alone in his holy word. We see an example of this in Leviticus chapter 10 and verses 1 to 3. Nadab and Abihu introduce strange fire into the worship of God. It is not commanded by the Lord. It is not expected or wanted from him. It may have come from zealousness or a desire to do good. But Nadab and Abihu were burnt up. They were not welcomed by the Lord. In fact, they met with his punishment. 
and perhaps we may consider that these things cannot possibly happen anymore. We are an incredibly enlightened bunch as we listen to this in April 2020. But my friends, out of our zealousness and a pretense of good intention, we can do many foolish things. Consider the wars and the divisions that are fought in churches over our meeting houses. The style of seats, the colour of carpet, all cause great divisions and great fights amongst the Church of Jesus Christ. And nowhere in the scriptures does the Lord command us as to what shade of blue our carpet should be. And so we must be careful that in our desire to follow the Lord and to do good works, we do not build structures that have no biblical mandate, that we do not cause divisions around issues that are not explicitly commanded in the scriptures. And so, my brothers and sisters, do your utmost under the word of God to flee from carrying any burden that you were never supposed to shoulder. And so, as chapter 16 begins with this warning, paragraph 2 shows us where good works come from and what they're all about. The divines begin paragraph 2 by stating that these good works are done in obedience to God's commands, and they are the fruits and evidences of a true and lively faith. This is an important point. As Reformed believers, we make it absolutely clear that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We are not saved by our works. However, the divines tell us here that our good works flow from our faith. They are the fruit of our faith. They are the evidence of our true and lively faith. And so we do good works in obedience to what God has commanded in his word alone. We refuse to shoulder the burden of so-called good works that have been devised by men out of zeal or any pretense of good intention. And the good works that we do, which are acceptable in God's sight, are fruit and evidence of our faith. And saving faith should always be accompanied by good works. In James chapter 2 verses 18 and 22, James writes, Someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And so James is incredibly helpful. We are not saved by our works. We are justified in God's sight by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But good works will always be a fruit of that faith and will give evidence of it. And as this paragraph continues, the divines tell us that good works always have a good purpose. These works, which are the fruit and evidence of a true and lively faith, manifest the thankfulness that believers have for that salvation. In Psalm 116 and verses 12 to 13, we read, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. And Peter writes in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. And so as believers, the good works that we are involved in, set for us by God and his word, defined by God's word alone, they are an evidence and fruit of our faith. And the good works that we are involved in show our thankfulness to God for how he has redeemed us. Our lives are spent doing good works for the glory of God alone, to proclaim the excellencies of the Lord who has called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. 
So good works will manifest our thankfulness, but the divines continue that they will also strengthen our assurance. And so for the nights that you spend in a drafty hall leading young people, or for the times that you have prayed unto the Lord, asking him to save that individual that you're concerned about, for all those days that you are involved in good works and perhaps you think they have no purpose at all, certainly you're seeing no fruit for them, well actually they are to strengthen your assurance. In 1 John 2 and 3 and 5, John writes, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected, and by this we may know that we are in him. This is an amazing truth, that as our good works flow out of our faith, as fruit and evidence of it, our good works are also an assurance to us that we are actually saved. We love the Lord, we strive to obey the Lord, our obedience is never perfect, but as we walk with Christ on a daily basis, it assures us that we know him, that we love him, and therefore he loves us. But it would be wrong for us to think that our good works only help us. The next statement that the divines make is that our good works also edify our brethren. They edify our brothers and sisters around us. Paul tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 2 that their zeal has stirred up their brothers around them. And Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16 that we are to let our light shine before others so that when they see our good works they will give glory to our Father who is in heaven. So our good works strengthen the assurance that we have that we are men and women of faith. But as we are involved in good works, they also have an impact on the church around us. And surely this is a challenge to the me-first attitude that is displayed by so many of us in the church today. We approach the church with a consumeristic mindset. What will I get out of this church fellowship? How will my needs be met? And yet here the divines tell us that as we follow our Lord in obedience, the works that he has put in front of us to do will have an edifying benefit to the believers around us. If we slip in and out of local fellowships, if we never take our place or take the responsibilities that are there for us, then we're actually not helping our brothers and sisters around us. The church is not about you. We are the bride of Christ. We are called to obey the Lord together. We're called to be exiles and strangers in this world together. And so our good works will strengthen our assurance and they will edify our brothers and sisters and to say the divines, they will adorn the profession of the gospel. As Paul writes to Titus in chapter 2, we see this very notion played out in the pages of God's word. Paul says in verse 5, that wives are to be self-controlled, they are to be pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. The profession of these faithful women and the works that flowed out of their faith adorned the gospel. How they lived and how they loved their husbands and their families meant that the word of God would not be reviled in the communities that they lived. And as Paul continues this thinking in verses 9 to 12, he says something similar. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Saviour. For the grace of God has appeared, says Paul, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. 
And so the good works and day-to-day Christian living of these bondservants adorned the gospel that they had come to believe. And Paul says something similar to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and 1. He says that all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their masters as worthy of all honour, so the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Every time we put our shoulder to the wheel and engage in the good works that God has put before us, we adorn our profession. We are gospel men and women, saved men and women, and as the world watches us, as we go about our day-to-day business, as we live as husbands and wives and sons and daughters and servants and masters and everything else, we live lives that do not bring the gospel into disrepute, but lives that show the beauty of the gospel so that the word of God may not be reviled in this world. And in a similar vein, the divines tell us that our good works will stop the mouths of our adversaries. It is the will of God, says Peter in his first letter, chapter 2 and verse 15, that by doing good we should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And just a couple of verses before that in verse 12, Peter also says that we are to keep our conduct among the Gentiles honourable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. But of course, none of this should lead us to pat ourselves on our back. We do these good works because we belong to God. Paul says in Ephesians 2 and verse 10, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we do these good works and we're always incredibly thankful unto the Lord and we cry out and glorify God, sola Deo Gloria. Jesus said in John 15 and verse 8, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Here is the purpose of our good works, not to make ourselves feel better, not to save ourselves, not to climb onto a pedestal from which we can judge everyone else, but to glorify the Lord who has saved us and redeemed us and laid these good works before us that we may walk in them. And so as we live and we have the fruit on the holiness that is our sanctification, so also in the end we will have eternal life. This is the Christian walk and the Christian destination. And this is how the divines finish paragraph 2. It is taken from Romans 6 and verse 22 where the apostle says, Now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And so it is no wonder that the divines take a chapter to discuss good works. These good works are directed from above and they flowed from the new inner reality that God has worked in the hearts of believers. They have a purpose for me. They strengthen my assurance. And they have a purpose for my brother, bringing edification for him or for her. They show the gospel's beauty every single day, as my imperfect but transformed life is one that is full of obedience, following the commands of the Lord. And they also challenge our enemies, so that as they see our good works each day, the word of God may not be reviled, and indeed they will glorify God on the day of his visitation. And our good works, the fruit of our sanctification, one day will get its end, eternal life. But until then, we do not shine up our medals, we do not pat ourselves on the back, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, 
that we should walk in them. May all the glory and praise go to the Lord. And as we do good works, may our cry always be, Sola Deo Gloria. As always, here are some questions for you to consider. Question 1. What is the danger in doing good works devised by men, rather than the good works that God commands in his word? Question 2. What is the relationship between good works and saving faith? Question 3. According to the Westminster Divines, what benefit has good works in the life of a believer and also in his brothers and sisters in the wider church? Question 4. In what way are the good works of the church a challenge to our enemies? And question 5. Why do these paragraphs give us no room to boast in doing good? That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn, and until next time, this we confess. (laughs) 